So today, even though I'm, I'm looking at part two, hopefully you're not disappointed in what I'm going to do today. But I'm going to start out with Christmas because this is part two of the hope of Christmas, past, present, and future, right? I'm trying to stay on track at least a little bit. But I'm going to shift gears on you in the middle. So I'm just forewarning you, and I'll explain that a little more here in just a minute. So last week I mentioned how the Old Testament is filled with prophecy explaining what is to come. All right, God speaking through these men, telling them what to say. Uh, that's what a prophet is. And they were explaining some of the things that were to come. And, and they weren't all good, by the way. You know, some of them, in fact, were, uh, by the way, you're going to be overrun, and you're going to become the slave or the servant to another nation, and uh, all that good stuff. And you don't want to hear that, right? I don't want to hear that. What would we do if that happened to us? What, what would we do if God said, listen, you've had the gospel for 300 plus years, and now you've just let it go. So I'm just going to let another country overrun you. What would we do? We'd probably start praying, wouldn't we? Why wait until then? Why wait until then? <laughs> Audience, let's not wait until our country's overrun with the enemy. Let's bow our knee now. And let's worship him and praise him and pray to him on a regular daily basis. Back to the prophets. A prophet is a person speaking for God who tells the people something either present or future tense. All right, Walter C. Kaiser Jr., that's a long name, he's one of the guys I was reading in my master's class. In his book, Recovering the Unity of the Bible, he talks about J. Part Barton Payne's research. And this is what Payne said. He said he identified 1,239 predictions. In fact, I've got that up behind me. 1,239 prophetic predictions in the Old Testament that involved some 6,641 verses. These are all things God said through his prophets, like Isaiah, that were future tense, that most of them have come to pass. All right? 28.5% of the Old Testament has to do with prophecy. What does that say? That's a lot of prophecy. <laughs> what does that tell us? God wanted us to know before it happened. And out of all these prophecies, and this is a good one, there were 127 direct messianic predictions. And that took in 400... 500, I'm sorry, seven, and 74 verses. That's a lot of verses. Another scholar, Edersheim, reported that the Jewish literature accumulated some 456 passages 
that were, in a general sense, messianic in nature. That's a lot of verses. That's a lot of the Bible. Whether one sees 127 direct messianic predictions or 456 general predictions in the Old Testament, God was letting his people know something was brewing. Something was coming. And he didn't want it to take him by surprise. And, you know, we, we get all wrapped up in our 70, 80, 90 years that we have to live here. And we think that everything's about us. But what we all need to realize is God is timeless. To him, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. That's what it's saying. He isn't bound by time. We are. And we need to look back. We need to see how God moved in the Old Testament and how that led up to the promise of the King. Jesus Christ. By the way, messianic infers a Messiah, <laughs> which means a king or a deliverer. And here's where I'm going to begin to make my segue, if you will. The Jews were expecting a king. The Jewish people wanted this king to come in and to deliver them, the Jewish people, from the Roman Empire. And they felt like that's what was going to happen. But let me add this. How many know that sometimes what we expect God to do and how He does it are two completely different things? Has that ever happened to you? You're expecting Him to move one way, and he does something different. And it's not always comfortable. Meaning that your way probably would have been a little easier, maybe even a little simpler. But God had a better plan. And the Jewish people felt like this Messiah, that he was going to deliver them from the bondage that they were in as they were governed by this unruly government. Instead, God sent His Son in the form of a little baby born to a young Jewish woman. And some feel that she could have been a teenager because that was common back then. She could have been 14, 15 years old. Today that would be weird. But back then, it was common. She was a nobody. Hello? Nobody knew Mary. She was betrothed to a man who was a carpenter by trade. He didn't own Home Depot. He didn't own Lowe's. He, too, was a nobody. And that's who God chose to parent his son. And yet, <laughs> this one little baby was going to come and change the world as we know it. 
God can take the simplest things and do the most profound things with it. And that's what he did with this one little baby. This nobody. Nobody knew Jesus. Nobody knew he was coming. They knew a Messiah was coming, not a little baby. And next week I'm going to talk about that a whole lot more. But this is where I'm going to change. I'm going to divert because, and you can thank Pastor Roger. Thank you, Pastor Roger. Because about a week and a half ago, he sent me this text saying, you got to listen to this guy. And, and I'm like, okay, I don't have enough to do, thanks. And, and, and I'm just being honest. You guys send me this stuff, and I'm thinking, really? I've got eight books sitting on my shelf I have to read right now. <laughs> I don't need it anymore. So because he was so adamant, I finally listened to it. And, and the, the sermon was from Pastor Craig Groeschel, and, and he pastors what's called Life.Church. And it's basically a, a giant church online that ministers to all these different states. So it's a multi-site uh, church. And uh, when I listened to it, I took notes, and, and I got kind of excited about it. You know, I was like, oh, that, that is a good message. Thank you. Pastor Roger for sending that to me. And that time I meant it. In a good way. And Pastor Groeschel, he spoke from Psalm 46. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. Psalm 46 is where I'm going to start to read. And, and I just want you to understand, he took a little different approach to it. But you know, the Holy Spirit can take a message and, and speak mounds. You know what blesses me is when I get finished on a Sunday or whatever, and somebody comes up to me and they say, you know, when you said this, this, and this, it really spoke to me. And I, I was thinking back through my notes and what I said, and I thought, I never said that. <laughs> you know what that is? That's the God that loves you speaking directly to your heart. That's what it is. The Holy Spirit. And I trust today that he's going to do the same. So before I start, Father, we just ask you again just to take this message, Lord, and I believe it's a strong message, and use it to minister to your people, to this flock. Lord, those listening online, I pray that each one would receive something from you today, even if they didn't intend on it, that they would leave here challenged, encouraged, stronger, with more faith, and Lord, if there needs to be deliverance or any kind of conviction, that you would do that as well. And I open myself up to that same prayer. And I ask this again in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, once again, I start to speak, and my voice starts to go. Whoops. Psalm 46.1. Oh, I meant to put that up. God is our refuge. Have you heard this before? God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when what? Earthquakes come. When what? Mountains crumble into the sea. Now this is some pretty serious stuff going on here. And I'm going to explain this in just a minute, that this is actually... 
There's a history behind this that's unbelievable. What these people are about to go through is unbelievable. Let the oceans roar, verse 3 says, and foam. If you've ever been to the ocean, you know what that means. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. God's power is there. You see it in the waves of the sea. Maybe that's why we like to sit on the ocean and just listen. Because you just sense the rhythm of God as those waves ebb and flow. Hallelujah. Praise be to His name. So, this passage out of Psalm 46 is, is actually taking place and historically it's written about in 2 Chronicles 32 and 2 Kings 18 and 19. So I would ask you, go back there at your leisure. Write those two down. Go back there at your leisure and read it. And it'll explain exactly what was happening here. But here's what I, I'm going to give you the skinny of it. All right. Here is Israel, King Hezekiah. And he was a good king. And he gets the word that the Assyrian army is at their doorstep. They're coming for him. They're gunning for him, if you will. And the Assyrian army, King Sennacherib, he had 185,000 well-trained men. That's a bunch of good men. Picture this in more of a modern context. If they looked like maybe the Navy SEALs or the Army Rangers, all right? 185,000 Navy SEALs. Would any of you shudder? If they were coming for you, I know a few that would. <laughs> it, as Pastor Groeschel, he used to, there were 185,000 Liam Neesons coming at him, you know, the Taken movie. But just picture this army because these guys were veterans. This wasn't like the weekend warriors that we often look to. We hear them booming down out of Camp Grayling. Uh -uh. These guys were permanently in the army. And here's the other thing. They were bloodthirsty men. And when they came, they were ruthless how they treated the people. Now what they did, I don't want to go into it because I'm in a mixed audience. If I was with a bunch of men, I'd give you all the details. But because I'm not, and I don't know who's listening on the other end of this, I just want you to know that when these guys came for you, they sent letters ahead of them. They, they sent monuments ahead of them that had pictures of the things they were going to do to the people. What's that called? Warfare. Right? It's called warfare. Their first weapon was... They knew in Jerusalem that Sennacherib was coming for them. They knew that these assassins were coming for them, and they trembled. They were afraid. The people were like, what are we going to do? Oh, King Hezekiah, what are we going to do? They're coming for us. <laughs> I love this part. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump here just for a second to Second Chronicles, because I want you to to get the gist of what's happening here. He reminded the people of something. Listen to this. 2 Chronicles 32, starting with verse 6. Then Hezekiah encouraged them by saying, What? 
Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army. And this is the part, and those are my highlights. There is a power far greater on our side. Hallelujah. There is a power far greater on our side. He may have a great army, but they are merely men. We have the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles for us. <laughs> and I love that last part. Hezekiah's words greatly encouraged the people. He just had to remind them. And I'm reminding you today. God is behind us. There is a far greater power on our side than is on the other side. Greater is He. Say this with me. Greater is He that is in me than he that's in this world. That's what that's saying. We've got nothing to fear. We've got nothing to worry about. For God is with us. Ha! King Sennacherib. He may have had a mighty, highly trained army, but King Hezekiah and the people of Israel had the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob point to your neighbor and say, that's our God. I'm going to jump here again, down to verse 20, 21. Remember, fear was Hezekiah's weapon. Here is our weapon. Then King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to God in heaven. What's their weapon? prayer. They prayed to their God in heaven. And the Lord sent an angel who destroyed the Assyrian army with all its commanders and officers. So Sennacherib was forced to return home in disgrace to his own land. And when he entered the temple of his God, some of his own sons killed him there with a sword. It never ends well for the enemy. The enemy uses fear as his weapon. Our weapon, our retaliation is to trust and to pray to God for His deliverance. Are you doing that? Listen to this. The people said a prayer and the Lord sent one angel. One angel took out 185,000 army rangers. One. And he has a whole bunch more in heaven. <laughs> One angel. Today you might feel overwhelmed by the forces of darkness around you. You may be lonely. You may be afraid. You may be sick. You may just plain be tired. And I would say amen to that. It may be your income has been cut because of COVID-19 or for some other reason. It may be that a family member has contracted COVID-19. You may be one of those who a family member has died from this virus. Our prayers and our hearts go out to you. Your spouse may have just told you that he or she wants a divorce, that they don't love you anymore. 
You may have just discovered that your son or your daughter is doing illegal drugs. And it's turned your household upside down. Or maybe your boss just came to you and said, we're downsizing and you're part of that. Whatever it is, listen to me, whatever it is, your God is strong enough to defeat that enemy. What one thing do you need from the Lord today? What one thing do you need to ask Him for today? I believe He will be faithful when you do. I believe that He's in your life and you just need to admit that. There's one thing we need to do when we need something from the Lord, just as the people did with King Hezekiah. And that one thing is, can you say it again? Can you say it with a meaning? Good, they might have heard that on the other end. I want to read the rest of Psalm 46. It's not very long, and I'm heading somewhere with this. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. <laughs> it cannot be destroyed. Again, these are my highlights in red. From the very break of day, God will protect it. What does that mean? All day. The nations are in chaos. Huh? Their kingdoms are crumbling. Huh? God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Thank you, Lord. Can you catch the direction of this passage? They're about to be overrun by King Sennacherib, and this is what they're praying. This is what they penned to help the people to get through the time. Verse 8. Come, see the glorious works of the Lord. See how He brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. No army has a chance in front of Him. No weapon of the enemy can stand up to His righteousness and holiness. Our God is all that and more. And then the verse, and this is the key right here. Here's the verse that I wanted to get to. Be still and know that I'm God. Say that with me. Be still and know that I'm God. He said, I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. You, Hallelujah. Can you give him some praise today? Hallelujah. This word, be still, it means to be quiet. Something few of us are very good at. We always got to put our two cents in. But when you're in need, when you've got that one thing you're asking the Lord for, Here's the thing. Be still. Relax. Be quiet. Give yourself a break. <laughs> Pastor Groeschel said this. He said, when I'm still, I can't contribute. 
You see, we, we always want to be the one that's doing it. To be still before God means you've got to let Him take over. And we're not good at that. Because we're all that. Or at least we think we are. You're not in control. Some of us freak out when we lose control of what's happening around us. But you know what? That's the best time to just breathe. Let God move. Lord, I trust you. You're involved in this. I'm not doing anything until you tell me to move. You can't fix it. Too many of us are fixers. We gotta fix everything. If something's broken, we gotta fix it. You know what? There's some things it's not your job to fix. You aren't qualified to fix it. And if you try, what are you gonna do? You're gonna break it. So stop trying to fix it and let God, let God. Here's the last part of this. You are not the main character. What? I started out with, it's a bigger picture. It's not all about the 21st century. It's all about Jesus, our Savior, the Messiah, the One. That's what it's about. We're just a little part of that. But God is still moving. That big God, the one big God, is still moving on our behalf. Even though it's not all about us, He loves us enough to take care of us and to meet our needs. He said there are some battles that are above our pay grade. (laughs) Only God can win. For some of you, that's difficult. For some of you out there, that's really difficult. Because you don't like to be out of control. But hear me. If you find yourself in a place where you don't know where to turn, the only choice you have is to be still And know that He is God. And stop trying to fix it. Let God be God. Let Him work in your life. And by the way, this doesn't mean you don't do your part. If you go back and read those chapters I gave you earlier, you'll see where they did their part. They prepared before that enemy got there. They were ready, as ready as they could be. You and I need to do what we can do. But then when we get to that place where we can't do anymore, that's when we have to Be still and know that He's God. Notice that be still does not say to be worried. We're good at that. You know what worry does? Thank you. I was going to point to my head, but you said it. It makes your hair gray. I do a lot of worrying. I admit it. As your pastor, I worry about you guys all the time. I'm not saying that's the only reason. Age has a little to do with it. To be still does not mean you should be anxious. In fact, Scripture infers that we shouldn't be anxious about anything. But in all things, pray. (laughs) Right? 
Pray. To be still does not give you permission to be an idiot on social media. Come on. I get more frustrated with people when I see some of the stuff that they put out there. Keep your personal business personal. Take it up with God, not your neighbor. I am so fed up with the Christians that are out there blasting each other. You're like a bunch of snipers. Stop it. God, deliver us from this disease of social media. We're better than that. Our only assignment, loosely said, our only assignment when we're facing adversity, when all hell's breaking loose against us, our only assignment is to be still. Are you with me? Part of this message included a song. I'm going to have Roger and Mary come. and They're going to lead us in this song. And the, the title of it is, I Won't Move. And as they're coming, I just want you to understand something. When you find yourself in a predicament, it's often easy to get outside of the will of God by continuing to work on your own behalf. I believe what God is saying to us today, to this church, to you online, is when you're facing difficulty, regardless of what it is, when you need one thing from God, then here's what you need to do. Pray and be still. Pray and be still. And whenever you guys are ready, I think that the lyrics of this song are going to minister to you. This is a new song. I don't think you probably know it unless you've tuned in to Life.Church. But it was a song that their worship team wrote. And uh, I'm just going to step off here and, and we're going to sing this. And let this, go ahead and stand with me, would you, if you can. Let this song minister to you today. If, if you're in one of those places where you're struggling, where you need that one thing, just let this song minister. And maybe you'll even want to repeat some of the words. And then when this is all finished, I'll come back and I'll say a final prayer.
tired pray and be still don't move until he speaks are your finances in trouble pray and be still don't move until he speaks are you facing a deadly enemy pray and be still don't move 
until he speaks. What's the one thing that you need from the Lord today? Don't think that God doesn't hear you. And the last quote I'd like to give from Pastor Groeschel, he said this, God is big enough to overcome the world and yet loving enough to hear your prayers. And that is so true. That is so true. And as your pastor, if you're here struggling today, if, if you're watching online and you're struggling with something, if you need encouragement or if you're sick in body or if you're just tired of the days that we've been having to go through lately, then pray and be still and don't move until the Lord speaks to you. Heavenly Father, we are again humbled to be in your mighty presence. May we go out of here today, Lord, understanding what this means. That we're not in control. You are. We yield to you. We give you permission, Lord, to have your way with us. Whatever that means, whatever that looks like. And we ask you humbly, Lord, to take over. And that one thing, whatever it is, you fill in the blank, folks. That one thing that you're asking the Lord for. Believe that it's on its way. That God has already sent it. Just like He sent one angel. Just like He sent one baby. So many years ago. To take the pains of the world upon Himself. All the sin. And all that that meant. So that we would be free. And if you're out there today and you'd say, well, I really don't know much about the Lord. I, I just want to say this. Listen, there's one thing you need to do besides pray and be still. It's the first step, and that is to say yes to Jesus and what He did for you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but would have everlasting life. And He did that for you. He did that for me. But it's like the presence under the tree. You've got to receive it. You've got to open it. You've got to take it. And to do that, all you need to do is say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. And make me a new person. And He'll do that for you. That should be your one thing if you haven't already done that. For the rest of you, whatever it is, whatever that one thing is, just believe, like Hezekiah did, like Isaiah did, that God was there. Maybe you need an angel. Maybe you need financial help. Maybe you need health. Whatever it is, I believe God hears your prayer. Lord, we just believe that you are answering us today. Let this be a week of being still before you, Lord. Yes, pray, but then be still. And wait until you hear from Him. Lord, we commit and dedicate this church, our people, into Your loving hands. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, God bless you. Thanks for coming today. Next week, of course, it's uh, the Sunday before Christmas.
I will be wrapping it up with a message about Christ. So we'll see you next week. God bless you. Break the walls apart. Heal the wounded heart. You've been there from the start. I won't move until you speak. You calm the raging sea. You crush the enemy. You set the broad.